Greetings, creeps, and welcome to Horror Go Problems, the podcast slash videocast. Thanks for listening, Mom. Now, you may think because Halloween has come and gone that the horrors are over. That is simply not so. In reality, Halloween just signifies the horrors are just beginning. While Halloween may be the highest of holidays, when it leaves, it doesn't mean the spookiness goes with it. In fact, Halloween ushers in a season of spooky as we enter into our darkest time of the year. Don't be fooled by the yuletide cheer. There's still plenty of horrors to be had. And that brings us to today's very special treat. Author Jeff C. Carter is gifting us all this season with the existence of We Bleed Red and Green, a collection of 12 holiday whores. And I'm about to give you a sneak peek into the collection with the first story from We Bleed Red and Green, Candy Cane. So grab a glass of nog or a mug of cocoa and raise a toast to holiday cheer as we dive into a tale of holiday fear, Candy Cane. Do you guys see I'm dressed like a candy cane? Eh, 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 eh? Here we go. Candy Cane by Jeff C. Carter. Magnolia sat on her stump at the edge of the school playground. She tucked her chin into her puffy pink jacket and dragged a candy cane across the blacktop, laying down a sugary white line. A group of foraging ants crawled over to investigate. Merry Christmas, she whispered. Boots crunched on dead leaves until she was surrounded. They were Ugg boots, new and trendy, each costing more than Magnolia's entire outfit. She was lanky, tall for 15, but her purple sparkle shirt and rainbow-patched jeans stood in stark contrast to their fashionable black leggings. Hey, Magnobuddy, sitting with your friends? Laughter swirled around her like winter wind. Is it true you still believe in Santa? She does, another girl giggled. She told Lisa at Brittany's sleepover. Magnolia said nothing, eyes fixed on the feeding ants. Well, do you believe in Santa or not? Her cheeks burned red and she shrugged, sinking deeper into her jacket. Say it. Say Santa isn't real. The candy cane snapped against the ground, shattering into a red hook. I won't. The girls clapped their gloved hands and cackled. Oh my god, that's so adorable. I cannot wait to tell everybody. Before we go, do you still believe in unicorns or the tooth fairy? The clique skipped off chanting Santa baby as they hurried to spread fresh rumors and humiliation. Their voices were erased by a grinding breath that carried an animal stench. It was not the wet hay smell of the petting zoo. It was the dank reek of sunless forest, moss-stained hide and old rot mingled with a bitter perfume of smoke and iron. Magnolia kept her eyes down, as she always did. A spider crept from a crevice, eyes glinting green and black as it watched the ants. The beast's furnace breath broke with a snort that probed the air like a question. Magnolia answered quietly, naughty. Talons clapped and chains jangled as the creature withdrew in pursuit of its prey. Magnolia watched the spider slink away with its first ant, bound up and ready to eat. Merry Christmas, she whispered. Eat those bitches! Eat those Ugg-wearing, legging-sporting bitches! Don't ever say he's not real. All I want for Christmas is a pet Krampus. All right, I hope you all enjoyed that. Now let's have a chat with the man, the myth, the legend himself, author Jeff C. Carter. Jeff, hello! Hey, Angel, how's it going? (laughs) 
Good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. I am loving this festive uh, <laughs> outfit and decor you have going on. Uh, I tried. I'm rocking uh, <laughs> my my werewolf for you. Oh hell yes! <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and I'm rocking my closest to a candy cane that I've got for you. This is the most color I have in my wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the most color I have in my wardrobe. Nice. <laughs> what do you have there, Nog? Oh, no. Um, I, I kind of uh, overdid it on Nog yesterday. <laughs> I got a Nog cream puff with a Nog shake. Oh, okay. It was awesome. And I've been making myself eggnog lattes at home. But uh, no, I thought before I record, Nog is maybe not the best. <laughs> right. You're a little nogged out, and then now you're a little nog nog cautious. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm nog shy, but I'll, I'll get back on the nog as soon as we record. I'll I'll have some nog. I was going to um, say, as soon as we end this, you're going to be chugging the nog. Right. And actually, we can go out on a shot of me with a, a gallon of nog, just yeah. going at it. I'm really excited to have you. Um, you did your. Halloween anthology and I wanted to have you on for that you had all these amazing short stories and we just didn't get to it so I'm really happy that you did a holiday horror anthology so we could have you on for this uh yes I I'm I'm glad I did too and and thanks for checking them both out um I really appreciate it I was actually talking about uh talking about one of your stories today actually it was the foreword that I was I love the foreword to we bleed red and green. I got that right. Mm-hmm. We believe red yeah. and green. <laughs> yeah. I love the forward to it. And the best I could describe it, I was telling somebody, I was like, his prose just flows. Like as I'm reading it, I feel like I'm like, it's just this beautiful kind of like rhythm to it. And it's just, and that was just the forward. That was even the stories that I was talking about. Thanks. Uh, I, I work really hard on the forwards. Um, like summaries are, you know, death mm-hmm. for any writer trying to like summarize their stories or, or their books. But uh, this is only like my fifth book. And so writing forwards is kind of new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a good opportunity to kind of get in there and kind of make an opening statement and set a mood. Nice. It actually, it's perfect for that because as soon as I read that, I'm like, yes. And then I'm drawn in and I want to like consume and just devour this book in one sitting. <laughs> so well done. Well done. Thanks. Yeah. This <laughs> one's pretty short. You probably could do it in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very curious, did you, when did you get the idea for this project? Um, I have been interested in the horror potential of Christmas for a long time. My dog just came back to uh, <laughs> say hello. Oh, hello. Um, <laughs> hey, pup. Um, and, you know, you'll know from reading the foreword that you know, horror and Christmas are kind of not only linked, but, you know, I think the the terror of the season um, predates Christmas as we know it. Mm-hmm. You know, the wintertime has always been a pretty grim, dark time full of ghost stories and uh, prophecy and rituals and pagan rites. And um, so, uh, you know, I've been really interested in that aspect of Christmas and uh, my friends and I have been writing uh, horror stories for Christmas for a few years. Um, Sorry, I already had a couple uh, in the bag as it were. Um, And after I wrote my Halloween collection, uh, I knew I had to follow it up with the Christmas collection. 
Nice. That was actually my next question. Is did you have any pre-existing stories that made their way into this or did you just make them all like this year? Um the pre-existing ones were the one you picked and there's a ghost story in there. I don't know if you've got that one yet. Uh and the rest were new for this year. Okay, nice. Okay, so how long did you spend writing these new ones? Um couple weeks uh my halloween book had uh 33 stories in it and if not for quarantine you know there's no way i would have been able to come up with 33 stories Mm -hmm. that i thought were good enough uh because i actually you know wrote more than 33 to create my halloween collection and some of those uh are a few years older um from previous you know uh, stories I'd written and submitted elsewhere um, for Christmas. Uh, you know, I, I kind of landed on 12 as the magic number, mm-hmm. you know, 12 days of Christmas or 12 nights of Christmas. Nice. I briefly thought about trying to get 25 in there to do like an advent calendar, <laughs> uh-huh. but uh, I didn't think the quality would be up there. And my, my lead time uh, between the Halloween book and the Christmas book uh, was so short because I wanted to get it out there and to in reviewers' hands um, before November. Mm, okay. So, so, yeah, 25 is ambitious, but 12 in two weeks? That's fucking ambitious as well. I mean, it wasn't two weeks. It, it, was, it was longer than that. Um, you know, sometimes it takes me more than two weeks to write a story. Uh, sometimes much longer. Um, uh, so, you know, it's weird. I, I was kind of struggling with what is Christmas horror. Um, Halloween is, you know, maybe just because I've been so immersed in it for so long. It's very easy to draw a circle around what is or is not a Halloween horror story. Um, whereas, uh, with Christmas, um, horror, I I actually, I think it's a little more broad. It doesn't have to take place on Christmas or have a guy in a Santa suit. I think anything that has to do with winter, um, is fair game. Uh, I think, uh, anything that harkens back to the sort of uh, Dickensian Victorian horror stories, you know, like A Christmas Carol, um, are fair game. And then if you look at other countries and other cultures uh, that have these really deep mythologies around wintertime and the how they confront the fear of getting through that long, dark time where sometimes the sun doesn't come up for months at a time, and you're basically counting, you know, your 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 individual grains and kernels to see, like, did we harvest enough to make it to the spring? Um, their mythology is is fantastic. So uh, there is a nod to a, a Japanese ghost story in the book. Um, I don't know if people are gonna pick up on that, but just to say that, you know, wintertime horror is, uh, is pretty much a global phenomenon. Um, and I thought it was easier to 
collect stories that would fit in a winter collection. Right. Okay. This is like Randy's rules of horror, uh, how to survive a horror film, but it's Jeff's rules of a Christmas horror story. <laughs> exactly. If, if there is a uh, crippled beggar boy uh, with fingerless gloves, you're good. It counts. Put it in. <laughs> yeah. If no, anyone okay. is asking for gruel. <laughs> Gruels automatically. I don't care if it's the middle of July. If you're asking for gruel, you're a Christmas story. <laughs> yeah. And it's horror. And it's horror. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I agree with your rules of Christmas horror. So. <laughs> Thank you. There's no spoilers because we just got done reading Candy Cane. So you want to talk to us a bit about your inspiration for that one? Sure. Um, I have a friend who uh, goes out of his way to make sure that his kids have Christmas magic for as long as possible. And um, he may have done too good a job with his oldest daughter. And as a result, she ended up believing in Santa, you know, as a teenager. And uh, he, he was just so fearful of how other girls were going to treat her, you know, when she went to school espousing these beliefs. And that inspired me to, you know, try to find a hook for, you know, what would, how would this girl interact with her peers? Um, And more importantly, uh, how could she be the perfect bait for Krampus to find naughty kids? I love it. She's like the detector, the naughty detector. <laughs> right. Yeah. He he just he just shoves her out there as bait and then mean girls come a running and it, it it's too easy. I loved it. It's kind of like a to catch a predator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's exactly. the bait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love at the end when she just like whispers under her breath like naughty without looking up, like, yeah, go get those bitches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's justified. We've all, I don't, I mean, I feel like we've all been there surrounded by mean girls in Ugg boots, uh, getting teased. So it's gotta be the Ugg boots, the Ugg boots and the leggings gang. (laughs) Yeah. As I stand up to show off my Uggs and my leggings. Look, no shame, but naughty. (laughs) As you just see something come off screen, you come and just like devour me. (laughs) Yeah. I do have to say, I am in my 30s, and uh, I still get visits from Santa Claus. Fantastic. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So I'm a believer. I was a believer then. I'm a believer now. For, firm believer, uh, always. I will never not say that Santa isn't real. Or is real. Wait, too much. that's a triple negative. Hold on. I'll never say that Santa isn't real. Okay. Ugh. Yeah, don't ever, you don't ever say that. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> right. I am a believer. I'm a believer. There we go. Okay. Yes. Yes. I believe in Santa Claus. (laughs) Yeah. Watch out for that fireplace behind you. You better watch it carefully, sir. (laughs) You know, it, it, it really is, uh, an extension of my Halloween book. Uh, we bleed black and orange. Um, you might remember that, you know, it was my way of kind of coping with the fact that Halloween was probably going to be canceled this year. Uh, or was not going to look like anything, you know, we recognized as Halloween. Uh, so it was my way to just kind of help people capture some of that Halloween spirit, um, even if there wasn't a lot to go around. And, uh, 
you know, I live um, on the West Coast, but I was raised on the East Coast. So I only see my family every other year, every two years, sometimes every three years. Uh, so not being able to go home for uh, the holidays uh, is tough. And um, I wanted to write something that would, you know, create a little Christmas spirit, even if it's a darker Christmas spirit. <laughs> I appreciate that. And it does kind of feel like that. Um, one of the, I guess, silver linings about all of this shittiness of 2020 is uh, this kind of feeling of togetherness, like people like you that are creating something as a kind of like a personal coping mechanism. I'm sure it's kind of a catharsis doing these things, but then you get to share it with other people and it feels like not so isolated and alone, which I super appreciate. Uh, absolutely. Um, it, both books were really cathartic. And um, now that the book is out there and people are starting to review it and give feedback, it, it does feel good. Um, you know, there's some, I kind of uh, deliberately went for the heartstrings with some of these stories. Uh, so I think I'm, you know, giving people the feels. I, I did uh, tear up for one of the stories. So. Which one? <laughs> I, I don't remember the word. It's, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but it's with the, when Santa goes to visit the old woman. And yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> What's the name of that one? He spoke not a word. He spoke not a word. Okay. I was thinking it was that. And then I thought maybe I was mixing that one up with the uh the soundless chamber one so <laughs> gotcha <laughs> the title could work yeah. for either one so <laughs> that's right um yeah i was gonna go you know i was speaking of process uh i love christmas carols like love them my family <laughs> is insane about christmas carols and it drives my wife nuts because she can actually uh hold a tune um and we just sound like uh cats in a bathtub i mean we're, we're not a talented bunch of singers but we won't let it stop us uh, the heart is there carols. the heart is there lungs vocal cords not so much um but uh i love christmas carols and um it, it's i feel like if you're gonna pull something out to be a refrain or a reference or a title of a story you want something that's really resonant and man christmas carols check all those boxes for me uh and it, i was tempted to like go through the whole collection and name every story you know after some lyric or line from a christmas story but i, I use some restraint yeah a little bit practice a little bit of restraint there <laughs> That one, you know what, speaking of the uh, the sound chamber one, it kind of a little bit reminded me of, uh, what's the Twilight Zone episode, Time Enough at Last? Yes. It, it gave me a little uh, bit of that kind of vibe. Absolutely. So uh, my story, Blessed Silence, is about uh, a misanthropic guy who takes advantage of the winter break to go into work where he works as an audio engineer and go into one of these anechoic chambers. Uh, it's like the most soundproofing place you can imagine. It's where they go and they test um, uh, high-tech equipment and instruments and microphones and speakers and things like that. And he just wants to seal himself off from the world and finally get some quiet. And... Um, I had that idea a while back and I wasn't sure quite what the 
sort of the hook was. Like, yes, guy wants quiet, guy goes into silent chamber. Um, but you can see the, the same kind of thread running through time enough at last, where it's someone who, it's not that the guy wants to be alone to read, it's that he hates people. He hates humanity. And that's why it's so, you know, one of the many ironies in that uh, Twilight Zone episode is, you know, the same in the story is, uh, you know, this guy thinks he wants quiet, but in reality, he has to admit to himself that he just hates other people with such a passion. And that was the hook for me. Yeah. And then it's kind of that monkey's paw thing where it's like, okay, well, be careful what you ask for and be very, very specific with your wishes. Right. If, if you want true silence, uh, be ready for what, it, what it's like. You better draw up a contract exactly as to what that entails because be careful. Mm. Also, nothing about that sounded relaxing to me. Like as I'm reading about him going deeper and deeper into this, like layers and layers of more and more silence, I'm like, this sounds fucking awful. And then I was like wondering to myself, like, could I actually like go in there and spend five minutes? Like I don't that I have no desire whatsoever to experience that. Um, in my research, uh, you know, there are sort of reports that some people can't stay in these 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 sort of cones of silence for too long. Um, it, it freaks them out or it makes them nauseous or uncomfortable. Um, and you know, there, there hasn't been like any hard evidence on this, but like musicians and stuff do not like it. Like if there's not a, a certain bubble of warmth, even like just echoes off, uh, surfaces and the sound of your own voice or your breath, um, having that all kind of sucked out, it is kind of like being dead, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a, a creepy thought. And, and I think, I think I'd like to try it, but I don't know how long I'd last on there. When I, I like would want to try it for maybe all of 30 seconds, maybe not even that just to be like, yeah, no, I can't hear anything at all. Okay. Let me out. Like I need, I would, I like my bubble of warmth. Yeah. Good luck finding the door. Yeah, fuck. And I would have to do it with the door open, so it wouldn't even count, really. But that's right; it wouldn't work. <laughs> I don't even need to hear like the sound of my own voice or anything, but just like like an unnatural like void where it's literally just nothingness. Like that's too spookily unnatural, and I don't I don't think I need any of that. It's it's literally unnatural because there there's no place on earth, you know, that is so quiet and that absorbs sound, you know, like that, which is why they've had to engineer these special facilities. Um, and it, it is interesting that if you had the right, like electronic key cards, there are doors you could open in the world that would take you to places that are totally unnatural, like where they freeze stuff, um, you know, to colder, like, like colder than, you know, Antarctic temperatures. And, you know, they do all these weird stuff to, to bend science. Um, or they make like smells that have never been smelled before. And that's, uh, that gives me hope as a horror writer. <laughs> smells that have never been smelled before. Please make a story about yes. that in your next uh, Halloween anthology. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Some kind of that. new uh, candy corn. Yes. 
Not Thanksgiving candy corn, though, please. I've had enough of those. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll come up with something new to torture you. Okay, good. Did you try those? They're freaking horrendous. Uh, my wife is very specific about the candy corn we get, uh, okay. about the brand and the type. Yes. Um, as so, one should be. <laughs> yes. Well, um, I'm a, I'm a little easygoing. If it's got okay. the three colors, I'm good. Okay. Um, I love candy corn. Uh, but yeah, I think I'd get in trouble if I brought in the, the turkey and the <laughs> stuffing and the peas. <laughs> Your wife just like throws it into the fire. <laughs> yeah. So you're a candy corn whore and she's a bit of a candy corn purist. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think I would side more with your wife on this one, but uh, I did try to be a little more adventurous this year and I don't, I didn't need to do it. You know, <laughs> I, I heard it's good. It's, um, you know, uh, I, I think it's up to us to share that experience with people who might not have access to those <laughs> special edition things. Um, my friends and I d uh, were on Zoom and we did a zombie Skittle roulette. <laughs> so I sent a bag of the zombie flavored Skittles to all my friends. I have not heard um, of these. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, so it's it's a silver bag. Mm -hmm. um, they're called zombie flavored Skittles. And they're just regular Skittles. But certain random Skittles have the zombie flavor. Ugh. And so we played... <laughs> zombie roulette and we just uh went around the squares on the zoom call and we'd each take one and you can't fake it when someone bites into <laughs> one of those zombie skittles like you see you see the virus like break out into their face oh, uh skittles uh did not come to mess around like they <laughs> brought it with their zombie skittles flavor it was really really hellish um and what does that now I feel like, like you got to eat them. I, I'm like intrigued, but also terrified, which I guess is how I end up putting that stuff in my face in the first place. But <laughs> I mean, none of us described it in the same way. Uh, if I had to guess, it was like a tomato, garlic, <laughs> sour patch. <laughs> I mean, it was just so rancid and i love the fact that they sold and marketed these to people as candy <laughs> and people were eating <laughs> i mean i can think of at least you know six people that ate them oh man okay i need to track those down because i'm kind of curious about it not what i would yeah. have pictured tomato rancid sour patch uh, combo but <laughs> I mean, that's that's just when my tongue died. That's what it was screreaming. Uh, my friends had a, a different results. Maybe it's just like whatever your version, whatever's going to kill your tongue, like personally, like that's what that's the flavor that you experience. <laughs> the special receptors, yeah, yes, I like that. It, it finds your your greatest fear. Yeah. It's <laughs> it the Pennywise it of candy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's a terrifying one. There's another story for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, are you ready for these questions? No, but it hit me. <laughs> Here they come anyway. All right. I was asking right. as a courtesy, but they're on their way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Who Fair. is your favorite final girl? So I know that Ripley is the classic answer. Mm -hmm. And up until like a month ago, that probably would have been my favorite final girl. 
Um, have you seen the movie Phenomenon? No. It's it's a crazy eighties Dario Argento film. Oh, with Jennifer Connelly. With Jennifer Connelly. Okay. <laughs> have you seen it? I've seen pieces of it. I don't know if I've seen it all the way through yet. This was like a uh, a VHS box that I would see in video stores. My whole life, I would walk past it. And I'm like, what is going on with this movie? <laughs> there's this girl and her face is half gone. And there's like swarms of bugs. And there's a killer. <laughs> and I always wanted to see it. And I finally got my chance. I finally saw it like a month ago. And in this movie, the final girl is young Jennifer Connelly. And she is a girl with the psychic ability to control insects. Um, she has a sidekick that is a knife-wielding monkey. Okay. <laughs> and, and no matter how many people get brutally killed in front of her, she just, she just shakes it off. Okay. Like, she is unflappable. <laughs> Nothing phases her. And I feel like if I was a final girl in any of these other movies, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or uh, F-13 or whatever, I, even if I survived, I would be so traumatized. Mm -hmm. But this girl, like I said, psychic ability to control bugs, <laughs> monkey knife-wielding monkey sidekick, unflappable. <laughs> so that is my choice. That's a good answer. Okay. Thank you. I don't know why that movie doesn't get more love. Like, I don't know why I haven't seen it multiple times. I love Argento. I love Jennifer Connelly. I love monkeys. <laughs> um, it's got uh, it's got a great soundtrack by Goblin. Uh, I think there's like some Motley Crue songs in there. It's just uh, wild. David Pleasance is in there as oh. like a weird bug doctor. Um, <laughs> and like... All the stuff I'm telling you doesn't even spoil how crazy it gets. <laughs> okay. The problem is it's a slow start. It's okay. a slow buildup, and then it just goes into utter madness, but uh, highly recommend. Okay. Well, thank you. Maybe that's why I've never watched all the way through. Like, maybe I've attempted to start it and then just never went back to it. Um, that's going high. I'm moving that to the top of my watch list, though. Nice. <laughs> you sold yeah, me my, friends were shit, my friends were shit-talking it the whole time. And then when it when the shit jumped off, I was like, you guys <laughs> just suck it because this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. All right. You know what? Maybe I'm going to watch that today. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm like super soul. <laughs> nice. All right. Phenomenon. Okay. What's your most traumatic horror experience? So uh, when I was too young, <laughs> I saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. Okay. Um, and I'm the youngest of four. And so my older brothers uh, and sisters were always watching stuff that was, you know, maybe edgy or inappropriate for them and wildly inappropriate <laughs> for me. Okay. So my parents were out. My brother was in charge. He was the oldest. And so we turned off all the lights and we popped in a tape of nightmare on elm street and it's i'm like i'm single digits i'm definitely under 10 oh god <laughs> and uh i'm just like having my mind blown by nightmare on elm street and all of a sudden there is this squeaky scratchy streaking 
<laughs> at the window. And it's it's night, it's dark out, all the lights are off, and the glass door that this sound is coming from is not like a porch or a patio. It's basically it's like one of those porches that has the railing across it. So like if you open the door, you would just walk into that railing. Mm. Like you, you can't even uh, really stand on it. Like there, you don't put a chair on it. It's just, it just faces the woods. So there is, (laughs) yeah, there is no reason why anyone or anything should be basically clinging to the side of our house (laughs) <laughs> scratching at the window. And my older brother uh, looks to me and he says, because the curtains are drawn over this uh, sliding glass door, and he says, well, go go check what it is. <laughs> and I'm, you know, in my mind, it's Freddy Krueger. And <laughs> I'm terrified, but uh, I'm also the youngest and he's in charge and I have to do what he says. <laughs> So I walk across the dark floor, you know, it was scary enough. Like when you're watching Nightmare on Elm Street and you're in that headspace, being in like a deep couch is scary because Freddy's going to drag you into the couch. Walking across the ground is scary because Freddy's going to come up out of the ground and grab you. Like (laughs) I was losing my mind, but I, I tiptoe trembling to the curtain and I pull it back and it's my brother's girlfriend. Oh. And uh, the 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 origin of this is that she got off from work, drove over to our place, parked in the driveway, saw like the TV flickering, um, and figured we were home and watching a movie. So she climbed up and over the railing and was trying to get our attention at the 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 glass door. She she didn't know we were watching Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. My brother didn't put her up to this. My brother didn't even know what was at the window. He just sent me there. Yeah. Uh, but I was so freaked out by Nightmare on Elm Street that for years, um, when I would turn the lights off to go to bed, I, I was afraid to walk across the carpet because I didn't want my feet by the bottom, you know, underneath the bed. Uh-huh. I didn't want my feet in the carpet. So I, I had timed it so that I could turn off the light switch and do a standing jump into bed every night. And uh, I think that's why my bed was so badly broken. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's so many things to unpack here. One, what a strange girl. Like, that. Like knock you at know, the door. What are you? We had a doorbell. Um, <laughs> we had a door to knock. But from the driveway, it was like three or four steps mm-hmm. to like climb over this railing. Okay. And I don't, I think to, to my mind, the sound of her like rubbing on the window sounded uh-huh. exactly like Freddy's claws. Yes. But in reality, you know, it probably didn't sound too much like it. I mean, I feel like I would, if I chose to go to that window, I'd probably do a little like a rap on the window, you know, not like a 
Like, I don't think I would be rubbing or caressing or scratching nails or anything that would could possibly be mistaken for Freddy Krueger across the window. Well, hey, that's my sister-in-law you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he married that girl. They got married. That's amazing. They got married, yeah. <laughs> well, it all I, ended okay. I need her to give me a call because I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They turned out a happily ever, ever after, and I turned into a horror author. There you go. <laughs> so you yeah. actually you have her to thank for a lot of it, your brother and her as a combined I, duo. <laughs> I have them to thank for a lot of trauma. Right? <laughs> sure. I also love the flying leap to the bed because I, um, we probably all at some point, I was really good at the hit the light switch. And then I couldn't, my bed wasn't close enough to just do a standing jump. So I had to do like a run and then a leap onto run. the bed. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Just as long as my feet and my ankles didn't get too close to like underneath the bed. So I'd take a couple steps and just flying squirrel it like onto the top of the bed. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't knock our teeth out like on <laughs> our uh, on our bed frames. Um, I had this like weird funky pile shag carpet, um, and I was just convinced I was going to sink into it. <laughs> like Nancy sinks into the stair carpeted yes. stairs when she's trying to run up. Your house was perfectly set up for a lot of Nightmare on Home Street horrors, I feel like. It really was. It really was. That's a good one. I like that. Okay. What's your favorite horror franchise? Well, it goes without saying Nightmare on Elm Street okay. is my favorite horror franchise. Okay. I was hoping. I was like, how disappointing if that turns out to not be his answer. Okay. Uh, um, I actually got a poster of Freddy Krueger, and I think I got it from Fangoria Magazine. Mm. Um, and it was of Freddy holding up a like a a grody skull, uh, like he's doing a Shakespeare soliloquy. Yeah. Nice. And I had that on my wall for the longest time. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what my parents thought about this, but uh, I really do think that stuff that traumatizes you early on becomes like a source of fascination later on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think you've probably encountered this same thing which is people that get too much horror at a young age you know it it kind of shuts them down and freaks them out for a while and then eventually their brain tries to process it right by turning it into fascination or obsession Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's how i went from jumping across my bedroom uh for years to have it to going to sleep looking at a poster of Freddy Krueger on my wall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> relatable. Entirely relatable. <laughs> you get the shit scared out of you and then for some reason at some point in your life, like you look at your house and it's just horse shit everywhere. Yeah. Not horse shit. Horror shit is <laughs> can, can it be both? Hey, maybe, you know? <laughs> to each their own. I'm not here to judge. <laughs> Okay, you're the final girl in a horror film. What's your kill song? I struggled. I struggled with this question. I know you ask it to everyone, um, and maybe it's my film snobbery coming through. Maybe it's control issues. But, like, I feel like the monster and the genre kind of determine the song. Mm -hmm, That's fair. Maybe it's just I have two too eclectic a taste of music Mm -hmm. but you know if i'm if i'm killing zombies i feel like it's gonna be you know white zombie or something okay if i'm (laughs) fighting vampires i could go for like some some dubstep 
<laughs> you know, uh, DMX, you know, turned down for what? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, it, I, I feel like one song doesn't fit all occasions, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> so I, I need you to kind of develop a scenario for me. Like, what am I fighting? What weapons do I have? Oh, What's the see. tempo of the action? Let's go. We'll, we'll keep it very simple. You're trapped in a house. There's a slasher that's after you. You grab the first thing that you find, and it's a uh, poker for the fireplace. That's your weapon. <laughs> then I would probably go with something off the original Conan the Barbarian soundtrack. Oh, as because one the does. slasher's <laughs> going to have a knife or a machete or something uh-huh. like that, and it's going to be steel on steel. <laughs> Okay. A lot of pounding <laughs> tippany drums and big war horns. Burr, burr. <laughs> okay. I really like that you took into account the metal on metal sounds and what is going to best accompany Right. That. I mean, it's a movie, right? It is a we, movie. We want you got to be think about these things. Yes. You want that cinematic then, fit. <laughs> as, as the cymbals crash, uh, my sidekick, the monkey with the knife, comes out, <laughs> jumps on its back. <laughs> Perfect. I love this. I feel like it's going to be beautiful. Can't wait to watch that. (laughs) Epic and cinematic. (laughs) Yes. As you just fly through the air towards each other and then the monkey comes in between. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, I use my, my bed jumping skills and I jump, (laughs) I jump off screen into a bed and then the monkey comes up and gets him. That's the gun that you reference in the beginning of the movie. Like he has this yes. skill to leap very far. Ah, now it's coming into play. That's right. <laughs> Following those rules. <laughs> okay. Last question. Kind of already touched on this, but why horror? Um, my imagination is out of control and it always has been. And so Fantasy and sci-fi are great uh, playgrounds for the imagination. Um, But I feel like the biggest possible playground for the imagination is horror. Because you can break the rules of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to have a happy ending. You don't necessarily need um, a motivation for your killer. Um, Because you're dealing with things like the fear of death itself. Or guilt and grief and, and, and all these great things that make horror matter um, in a way that you don't always get in fantasy and science fiction. Um, and, you know, when you talk about monsters, uh, monsters are things that are unnatural. You know, there's something that breaks the natural order. And I think... Uh, monsters and imagination are are inextricable. Um, so if you have uh, an imagination and you really want to set it wild, you know, get into some horror. Uh, think about what scares you. And I mean, human history in, in so much of our culture is just basically us thinking about what's out there in the dark or what's mm-hmm. behind us and and what we can't see. And that's where all this great horror and mythology and culture comes from i love i love it love it (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) okay that's all i've got for you um tell us where we can go and get our copy of we bleed or we bleed uh, red and green (laughs) head on over to amazon uh it's we bleed red and green 12 chilling tales for christmas 
And uh, you can also go to jeffccarter.com and find links for my socials and some articles about the Krampus and all that other fun stuff there. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. This was super fun. And I'm really like, guys, thank this you. book is really, really fucking fun and awesome. And get it and read one for the 12 days of Christmas. A new horror story for every 12 days of Christmas day. <laughs> exactly. 12 days of Christmas day. I don't, what do you, what do we call them? The 12 days of Christmas. Um, if you want to get into the, uh, the Christian calendar, like there's, there's all sorts of interesting ways to chop up December and, um, January. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, there's the, there's the 12 days leading up to Christmas. There are, um, religious holidays throughout Christmas. Uh, some of them don't even really end or wrap up until like the new, like two weeks into the new year. Mm -hmm. uh, the Yuletide season typically covers everything from like November to January. Um, so depending on what your frame of reference is, uh, it's not just like, oh, there's Christmas Eve and then there's Christmas. You know, sometimes there's 24 days or 25 days or like 50 days. Um, you know, all part of the reason why, you know, you so much can fit into this this winter Yule time horror. Um, and you did a, a great show about the Equinox. Oh, thank you. And you kind of drilled down on that. And, you know, nowadays we think, okay, the veil thins on Halloween and then like, Midnight Halloween, the veil slams shut. But ancient people thought the veil was pretty much thin until the, you know, the the spring um, mm -hmm. equinox. These are our dark days. This is our dark season. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and that's that's when the spirits come back, and and anything that you can say or do can haunt you. Ah. And uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's such a cool time of year, and uh, I'm so psyched that like horror people are kind of bringing this material out. Um, I feel like with the Christmas creep, you know, as Christmas pushes deeper and deeper into October, October is like, I feel like Christmas kind of reached into October and then Halloween grabbed it. and was like, come here. <laughs> and it's like, all right, here's Tim Burton. Here's the nightmare before Christmas. Here's Krampus, you know, here's, uh, you know, uh, silent night, deadly night. And just like, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be really good um, in in the years to come. We're just going to get so much great Christmas horror. Yes, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. Like, as you said, yeah. we have that kind of like the Halloween hangover and that like depression of like, a, oh, God, it's gone. So the more we can like kind of like keep it going and get some more Christmas horror, like I'm so here for it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. <laughs> and on that note, Thank you so much. I'm excited for everyone to check out the book. I'm excited uh, for them to hear Candy Cane, which they've already heard at the beginning of this. So happy holidays to you. Keep writing. I'm excited to read some more of your stuff. I really, I'm really actually like a big fan of your stuff. It's quite beautiful and spooky. Thanks, Angel. <laughs> uh, same. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. 
Huge thank you once again to Jeff for joining us today and for sharing his holiday horror with us. Truly think you guys are going to enjoy the shit out of We Bleed Red and Green. If you enjoyed Candy Cane, that is just the smallest, tiniest little teaser of what awaits you in this book. There's holiday horrors, there's dark comedy, there's murder, mayhem, and a little bit of tears. So be sure to head over to Amazon to check out We Bleed Red and Black, 12 Creepy Christmas Tales to fill your 12 Days of Christmas and beyond. All right, that's all I've got. As always, thank you so much for listening, watching. Please rate, comment, subscribe. Your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts have been really awesome to read through and are super helpful. So please, if you're enjoying yourself, take a moment to rate and review. It means the world to me. So thank you all for taking the time to do that. I hope you're all enjoying your holiday season so far. I love you. And I'll catch you next week for some more spooky shit. All right, I hope you all enjoy. All right, that's all I've got. As always, thank you much. <laughs> Come on. Come on.